0: So this morning, I wanted to speak about combating the Pharisee in us. And this is something that's been on my heart lately. And don't worry, it's not like this judgy sermon, but it's really about letting our hearts become more like Jesus. And I want to start by saying that not all the Pharisees were bad. But this is going after today the things that Jesus was calling out in certain Pharisees in the Scriptures. For me... This comes back to a lot of times. I'm always, when I'm having an issue, I come back to Amy, where is your heart at in this? Why are you feeling this way? Why does this scare you? Why does this offend you? Why are you getting your back up to this? And I ask myself all the time, what is the motivation in your heart for this? I remember there was a big world worship night um, about three years ago, and I wasn't a part of it, and I was watching it. My brother was one of the main worship leaders, and he was worshiping. And I sat in my bedroom watching it live online, and I was weeping and crying. And all of a sudden, God says, what is the motivation of your heart? Why do you want to be on that stage with your brother? He's like, do you want to be noticed? And I was like, yeah, I guess that is part of it. And he's like, Amy, you worshiping me right now in your bedroom is the exact same to me as if you were up on that stage. Check your heart. You know, and it was so good, and I was weeping, and I'm like, you're right, you're right. It always comes back to, it's just you and me, Jesus, right? We need to continually come back to the place where we're asking God to keep our hearts soft, keep our hearts moldable, to keep our hearts from judging, to open our hearts to his correction, to helping us be free and see people through his eyes, right? Something that he used to majorly struggle with and from time to time tries to creep its way back in is judgment. You know, when people hurt you and people do things to you, you want to judge them. Like, they did this and blah, 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 and all of these things, right? And, And we want to harden our hearts to those people. And time and time again, now I just go to the Father and I'm just like, show me how you see them. And it's changed everything over and over again. Show me how you see them, Jesus. And a lot of the times I see behind the scenes, right? And they're just hurting. They're scared. They're broken. And so they put up these mechanisms, right? And these walls. And a lot of the times it's just because deep down, they're just really, really broken. Another thing about the Pharisees is they wanted recognition. They were constantly looking to be recognized. And I want to read Luke 18, 9 through 14. Then Jesus told the story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed the prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not like the other people, the cheaters, the sinners, the adulterers, and I'm certainly not like the tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector, he stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, Oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. I tell you the truth the sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And it's a thing that we can easily get caught up in is is the approval of others. We want others to see us. We want others to see our worth. And if, if I preach this message and no one tells me good job, then it sucked right? It's like this, this feeling, but it's like, no, it's not about what everybody else says about me. It's about what he says about me. And this is a huge one that I have struggled with all my life and I'm still struggling with. You know, I was, I was getting to this really good place and, and I've been really overcoming this. And then I went and sang at this thing. And again, I started falling into comparing my voice to other girls' voices again and feeling like, you know, last Sunday Melissa was singing at night and she sang and then I sang. And in my head, I'm like... Her voice is so much better than mine. Why am I even singing? And I'm like, no, 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 no. Just sing. Stop trying to compare yourself, Amy, right? But we get caught up in this. And then that opens the door to more. You know, and then someone's like, that person spoke so well. That person's such an amazing speaker, but they never mention you. And then you start to say, maybe I'm not a good speaker. Maybe I shouldn't even speak. Maybe I'm just not good enough, right? It always comes back to that. And what I've realized is that there's nothing wrong with knowing that we need the need to be noticed, the need for affection, the need for others, right? But it's all about managing that love need. I remember Chris Vallotton came to a conference a while back and he talked about how he was interning this guy who was really, really prophetic. And the guy would all the time say, I don't need anybody. I only care about what God thinks about me. And he would say this all the time. And then Chris would bring him to an event where Chris was speaking and he would begin to preach his message. And all of a sudden there'd be like, the crowd would start to go wild and they'd all not be paying attention. He's like, what's going on? And he found out that this guy was going to the back and he'd start going, this is your bank account number. This is your social insurance number. This is your mother's maiden name. And he started just words of knowledge like this till there was everyone's paying attention to him and not even listening to Chris's message. And he was like, okay, like, let's talk about this. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all good. Sorry about that. Right. And then it happened again, you know, and he came to the point where he was like, you need to go, you need to take time and manage your love need. You need to realize it's there and manage it, you know? Mm. I love that. managing that love need not being like i don't need anyone because we do we do but it's it's where what is the motivation of our heart why do we want it you know some things that jesus pointed out in the pharisees that were negative were pride was judging others looking like they having it have it all together all the time wearing masks they knew the right way, words to say but they didn't really love people And this is something I've been convicted of time and time again, and a verse that we've all heard mostly, I'm sure, is 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. We hear it at weddings, we hear it at things, but lately God has just been pointing it out to me in like that light bulb when you read it, and you know it's like a revelation that goes even another layer deeper. So I wanted to just read this passage in the Passion Translation and just soak it in. So if you want to just close your eyes, that would be awesome but it's about realizing that we can do the most amazing things, but if we don't love, we're nothing. If I were to speak with the eloquence in earth's many languages, and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I did not express myself in love, then my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if i possess unending supernatural knowledge and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move the mountains but I did not have love and if I did not learn to love then I am nothing if I were to be so generous to give everything I own to feed the poor and offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love I would gain nothing of value Love is large and it is incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous. And when blessing comes to somebody else, love, when blessing comes to somebody else, love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or take offense easily love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best in others love love never takes failure as defeat for it never gives up love never stops loving it extends beyond the gift of prophecy which will eventually fade away It is more enduring than tongues, which will one day fall silent. Love remains long after words of knowledge are forgotten. Mm. Our present knowledge and our prophecies are partial, but when love's perfection arrives, the partial will fade away. And it goes on in verse 13 to say, Until then, there are three things that will remain, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. And it just hit me so much. It's like so much in church culture we can get into the do this and you're going to be successful. If you have a huge church full of people, then you're successful. But if I am a pastor up here with a huge church and I don't love well, then I have nothing. And it's just been hitting me more and more. How well do I love and convicting me more and more? How much am I really loving? I remember John Eldredge saying in one of the books I was reading that there are people that have massive ministries doing amazing things on the earth, but yet they don't really take any time for Jesus or really know his heart. And it so convicted me to just stay close, stay close to his heart, keep my focus on him, keep my heart just connected to his heart and make him my number one. Things you'll hear me say a lot when you get to know me are things like, I want more. God, I surrender my everything. This isn't my church, it's his church. And even so far, as, it's not my church, Jesus, so you fix it. Ah, Take me deeper. It always comes back to surrender. So the Pharisees were also pros at striving. They were really good at it. Strive, strive, strive. Look like you have it all together. And our culture will push this on us. And it's something I have reverted back to over and over and over again. Strive to look good enough. Strive to be good enough. Strive to make people see me, right? Even recently, I had this moment where someone else got asked to speak in place of me, and I'm like, they don't see me. And I went to Holy Spirit, and all I heard him say was, I see you. Is that enough? I see you, is that enough? And I'm I'm like, yep, it's enough. Oh, so good. Thank you, Jesus. We can get stuck in trying to have it all together. But I believe one of the most amazing ways to combat this is vulnerability and openness. It's saying, me too. Hey, I don't have it all together either. I'm struggling. I'm broken too. And I need a savior just as much as you. I want to read Matthew 23 27 through 28. It says Great sorrow awaits you, religious scholars and Pharisees. You are frauds and imposters. You are nothing more than tombs painted with fresh white coats of paint. Tombs that look shining and beautiful on the outside, but within are found decaying corpses full of nothing but corruption. Outwardly, you masquerade as righteous people, but inside your hearts are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So my desire as a pastor and those who know, know me is to be vulnerable and open and take that road, even when it's not easy. I struggle with anger too. I am not perfect, just so you know. <laughs> Far from it. I, I have feelings of anxiety too. There are times when I'm so exhausted, I want to run the other way and then pray for someone. You know, there are those times where I totally mess up and I'm struggling and I'm in fear. But I know to go to the Father and He chases away my fears and I open myself up to Him and I let Him transform me. Jesus' love covers everything, doesn't it? Mm. So now my hope as a pastor is that when I'm real, when I'm vulnerable, that you'll open yourself up to me and you'll open yourself up to others and you'll let Jesus into those deep places of shame and brokenness and he will heal your wounds and he will love you to life. And the amazing thing even is that I can share my feelings because I was that closed-off person for years and years and years. And Jesus asked me, Amy, are you willing to be vulnerable and open? And I was like, yes. He's like, because if you are, then I can really, really heal your wounds and change your heart. And he has, and it's amazing. Another thing about a Pharisee is they live by the rule book. And they load on even more rules, right? Jesus talked about them making people's backs so heavy under the loads. But the thing about Jesus was he kept pointing back to relationship with the Father. Our kids pastors, um, we, uh, they talk to all the volunteers when we meet up about how they don't want to raise little Pharisees with little rule books of, don't do this kids and do this and then you're good to go. He's like, we want them to encounter Jesus. And Jesus will transform. That relationship with Jesus, guided with Him, will teach them way more than us telling them, don't do this and do that, right? So good. The Pharisees' heads were filled with all this knowledge, but their hearts were empty of compassion and real love. I want to read in Matthew 21 28 through 32. It's a parable of the two sons. Jesus said to his critics, tell me what you think of this parable. There was once a man with two sons, and the father came to the first and said, son, I want you to go to work in the vineyard today. But the son replied, I'd rather not. But afterward, he deeply regretted what he said to his father, changed his mind, and decided to go work in the vineyard. The father approached the second son and said the same thing to him. The son replied, father, I will go and do as you said. But he never did it. He didn't even go to the vineyard. Now tell me, which of these two sons did the will of his master? The critic said to Jesus, the first one. Jesus said, You're right, for many sinners, tax collectors, and prostitutes are going to get into the kingdom realm ahead of you. John came to show you, show you the path of goodness and righteousness, yet you despised. Yet the despised and outcast believed him, but you wouldn't. When you saw, When you saw him, you neither repented of your ways or believed his words. Hmm. He's just asking us to trust him, to open ourselves up to him. The Pharisees will tell you everything wrong with the church, but they won't help with the solution. How many times have I been told, Amy, you need to do this, this, and this, and this, and this? And I'm like, I'm only one person. We're a body. We need to help each other. We need to help be part of the solution. I'm not in this alone. It's so easy to then try to take that all on my shoulders. And I've done it so many times where I'm like exhausted and like, I'm trying, I'm trying so hard. And I realize again, I am striving. I've totally given in to striving again. In, instead of trusting the body around me to help me be the hands and feet of Jesus. The religious spirit wants a perfect-looking church with none of the brokenness and mess, but Jesus embraced the brokenness and mess, didn't he? That's what I love about him. He's not like, come to me when you have it all together, but he's like, come to me, come to me in your brokenness, and I'm here. Let me love you to life, because you can't do it by yourself, can you? Right? Right? I recently listened to um, Jonathan Puddle has a podcast, our kids pastor, podcast, podcast, but he calls it the podcast because his last name is Puddle. And it was with um, the evangelism pastor from Catch the Fire Toronto. And he's also the regional um, chaplain for the region of Peel. Um, for the police officers, and he's this amazing guy, and he was going after all these things that we believe about evangelism, and as I listened to it, I felt all the shame lift off of my shoulders, all of this pressure that I've been feeling, like, do this, do this, do this. If you don't do this, you're not enough. You're not a good Christian, and he just went after that stuff, and I felt so much peace after after I listened to it, and I recommend all of you to listen to it. So it's Jonathan Puddle's podcast with Curtis Hines. So good. Mm, I will share it on our Catch the Fire page. <laughs> it's so good to get rid of those shame, the extra rules that are put on our backs that we don't even realize we're, that are there from the religion in the church, right? I have to do this because. And something that I've seen in a lot of North American churches are the blanket statements. They do this and it's going to work for everybody. Do these five steps and you will get healed. And I'm sorry, but I'm like, no i i I get a little bit stubborn there and get my little I'm like, "No thanks. <laughs> no thanks." Huh. I'm, I'm just so about we're all unique. every person is unique, and the Holy Spirit wants to be personal. You know, there's many people like, run your church like this and it's going to be so successful. And I'm like, no, I'm going to go to Holy Spirit and I'm going to ask him to, how to do it. Because you see the Israelites, right? They were, they won all of these wars because they went to God and they asked him how to do it. And then they're like, oh, it's going to work this time again. So they just decided not to ask him. And then they were completely defeated. And they're like, what? And God was like, you didn't even come to me and ask. And that's really been a conviction of mine. Am I getting in my comfort zones in my routine and just being like, this works? Or am I coming to Holy Spirit and being like, how to do this? Even when praying for people on the prayer lines, it's so easy to pray for that person, that person all the way down because it's easy. Instead of listening to Holy Spirit and saying, what are they going through? Can show me how to minister to each and every person? God is a God out of the box. I've always wanted to write a book on that. I have like little notes and I never did it, but we'll see. But God is a God out of the box. We can't limit, to him, limit him to how he's going to work in the individual or in the people. Hmm. So instead of assuming how it should be done, we go to Holy Spirit and we ask him to reveal his plans time and time again. It's so easy to be guilty of just falling into, I've done it this way, so I'm going to do it that way again. Another thing that it's so easy to look at the success of the world and the successful churches and fall into comparison, to fall into I'm not, I'm not doing it right, I'm all of these things. And there was another church that was planted recently a while back, and I remember like reading their like plan for their church, and we want this sound system and this, all of these things, these light system by this time. And I'm like, we've been going three years, and we don't have any of those things. Our media sucks. And all of this stuff, and I was, woe is me. And Adam was like, let's chat about it. I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. And he's like, fine. (laughs) And I just, like, watched the show, and then I, like, had my time with the Lord after that. And I was like, okay. And God's like, Amy, why did you say yes to planting this church? And I'm like, because I wanted a place with total freedom for Holy Spirit to move. He goes, stay there. like, yeah. Thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, hmm. I got this word recently, or not recently, about three years ago for this church when we were planting it in this building. And it's something that I go back to again. And so I just want to read this prophetic word over the church to you. It's so encouraging. On the times when we feel like we're failing, God showed me a desert with a cactus and tumbleweed, with cacti and tumbleweed all around it. The spot I was led to was so barren that it didn't even have cacti or tumbleweed. Even cactuses would not grow in this part of the desert. Then I started to see this colorful plant grow up. It wasn't as big or powerful as the cactuses around it, but it was beautifully colored colored with blue and purple and colors I'd not seen anywhere else in the desert. And I was shown people trying to plant cacti in this part of the desert, but it wouldn't work. The new plant flourished and grew strong in the barren part of the desert and brought life to the part of the desert that had been lying empty. God then brought my attention to the verse, Isaiah forty three nineteen, where it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands. What I felt God impressing on my heart was that we are, stop, we are to stop trying to be like all the other churches. Even if they're big and successful, they are cactus for the other parts of the desert. Those churches won't work here. He is going to grow us differently because he knows the soil and he knows what's needed for this church to survive here. This church is going to be a rare flower that will be highly sought after. The church won't be a large and imposing cactus. It will be a beautiful plant in a wilderness where even cacti won't grow. We need to stop comparing ourselves because God does not want us to be the same. So I go back to that time and time again, and I feel encouraged again to stop my wandering eye and fix my gaze on him. It's so ingrained to us, in us to have it all together, but vulnerability, showing our brokenness, opening up our heart and really letting Jesus in will help us love those around us and combat the Pharisee in us. Another thing about Pharisees is they only hung out with the people who agreed with them and were like them. And that's another easy one to fall into. (sighs) I want to read Matthew 9, 10 through 12. It says, Later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with the tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I love that. Jesus didn't stay with all the healthy people all around him, but he went after the broken. He went after the hurting, and he loved the people who didn't agree with him. And I could keep talking about different things with the Pharisees and Jesus' encounter, but now I just want to focus on Jesus and all that he has for us. Jesus is one who goes after the one. In Matthew eighteen eleven through 13, it says, the son of man has come to give life to anyone who is lost. Think of it this way. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one lamb wanders away in his loss, won't he leave the 99 grazing on the hillside and go out and thoroughly search for the lost lamb? And if he finds the lost lamb, he will rejoice over it even more than the 99 who are safe. Jesus sees the inside of us and he cares about the deepest things of our hearts. He wants us to come as we are. He wants us to take off our masks and really trust him. He wants us to let go of the need to have it all together to look good enough and be good enough. He wants us to let go of our judgments and our needs to be right and see as he sees he wants you to see others as he sees them. But more than anything, he wants you to see yourself as he sees you because that honestly will change everything. Just like that time in my room where he's like, There's no difference of you worshiping on that stage than right here in your room because I see you and that's all that matters to me. We're so good at condemning ourselves and focusing our, on our flaws, and it becomes this ongoing cycle of never feeling like we're enough. When the truth is that Jesus says, you are enough. And he'll say it over and over and over again until you get it. You just have to listen. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, are you weary and carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me and I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. I love that. He's our oasis. He says, cease your striving and come and let me be your strength. He says, I know you're exhausted. I know you're so exhausted trying to have it all together. Let it go and let me. Let it go and let me, right? He says, let me hold you and let your pain out to me. He says, I care so deeply for you. Your past, your present, and your future don't define you. I define you. I think one of the reasons why Jesus was so angry with the Pharisees and was pointing them out is because they were the leaders. They were the ones who should be showing people the way. But instead, they were saying, you're not doing enough. You're not good enough. And instead, they made people feel ashamed instead of loved. And that's why Jesus is full of love. And he's like, you guys need to get this so that others can get this because you guys are an example. Jesus wants to show us that his burden is light. (laughs) He wants to call us higher. And he always brought it back to love for that's who he is. Jesus won't condemn you. His arms are open wide and he's asking you to trust him, to let it go to let him love you in those broken places of shame and worthiness of feeling unlovable. And I was all of those things. I was filled with shame, filled with regret, filled with brokenness and anger and all of these things, and I didn't like myself whatsoever. I was really ashamed of who I was and tried to strive and hide it and make people love me. But the amazing thing is, I chose the, the road of vulnerability. And as I chose that road, I began to open myself up more and more to Jesus. I began to know him like I'd never known him before and led him into those places. And I'm a transformed woman. And now I'm a woman who knows that she's loved. And when I feel unloved, I go right back to him now. And he reminds me. <laughs> And I want to pray that each of you guys let God into those deep places, those really deep places of hurt and wounding and brokenness, and let him love you. And watch the transformation because that's what he does. He takes us from one place. He doesn't leave us where we're at, but he keeps transforming us. And I still have so much farther to go, but it's amazing because I want to go there with Jesus because I trust him and he's good. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you are the perfect example. (sighs) But that you don't just set the standard and leave us where we're at. But that you gave us the spirit of the living God to live inside of us and that we have access to what you had.